0: This is KonZenshu, Shu, the podcast, episode 461 for the week of December 2nd, 2018. Hello, and welcome to KonZenshu, Shu, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fansite. site, Shu. Yes, we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. My name is Mike, joining me sounding. Absolutely lovely. Julian, you are not here in front of me, but you have all the equivalent material.
1: Yes. In fact, our setups look virtually identical. Love it.
0: Oh, look good. You sound good. So happy. So we have a permanent upgrade over there. Uh, For a long time uh, while you were in Japan, you had a really nice headset. And then I don't know, you you lost it or you broke it or something. It died. It stopped working and I couldn't get it to work. And at the time,
1: my Japanese wasn't quite good enough to figure out what I needed to get it working again. (laughs) Um,
0: But yeah, this works. Yeah. So we may do in the meantime, but here we go. Uh I love it, love it, love it. So, uh yeah, it's you and I this episode, as it has been for a little bit. That's okay yes. though. Uh we initially had plans to go through the Dragon Ball Heroes eighth anniversary guidebook. There's some new interviews and tidbits in there. Thought it'd be one of those Cool examples of talking about stuff before we put up formal translations on the site. And, well, maybe that'll be next week because we changed our mind. And by we, I mean me. I changed my mind on what we're doing (laughs) this podcast episode. Uh, In light of everything that's going on with the new Dragon Ball Super Broly movie and its marketing, uh, we're changing things up. We are going to talk about spoilers and spoiler culture as it relates to the Dragon Ball franchise and in particular from the actual companies themselves that are responsible for it. Uh, so we're not going to really sit here and detail everything about the Broly movie, even though we literally know everything about the Broly movie. It's not quite that time yet for us to do that. That'll come in due time. Uh, yep. If you've had the thing spoiled for you this week, that's basically all you need To know to listen to the rest of this episode, yeah, we'll talk about him, the fact that he showed up, but other than that, you're you're probably pretty good to go. I just want to kind of give that heads up at the very least here.
1: Yes, and also a shout out to a couple of other people we wanted to maybe talk to uh, and get their own perspective on spoilers. Unfortunately, this weekend happens to coincide with the Japanese language proficiency test, the JLPT, being the first Sunday in December. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Cipher. Took it uh, in the morning, Cypher on our forums, who's over teaching in Japan, yeah. and now it's like five in the morning, no, six in the morning over there, and, and um, over here on the uh, other side of the planet, uh, Stacy Sailor Spaz took it this morning, and in her words, uh, she was planning on her husband having a stiff drink ready for her when she got back, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're probably out of commission,
0: but right. um, we got some here. thoughts from people uh, ahead of time. So we're going to share some of our own thoughts and some other opinions and examples of things that folks share with us ahead of time. And even if we don't cite them by name, uh, I appreciate them. Uh sharing those things with us to in turn share with you so that's what's on tap this episode we're going to kind of give a little historical context for spoilers and the dragon ball franchise and how it's changed over time from the companies themselves and how technology has affected that over these last 30 plus years that is the entirety of our episode this week so i say without any further ado let's get on into it julian transformed at last the legendary super saiyan
1: yes So the episode titles on the TV show have always been very poor about concealing the surprise, which is interesting because if you look at the actual chapter titles, they're a little
0: better. They are. Now, a little better. (laughs) You could always explain this away as Dragon Ball was this institution and everyone was reading the manga. So by the time the TV series came around, like that was, oh, I'm going to see the cool thing that I already know Animated. That's always been my interpretation of it, right? I think that's a fair assessment. I
1: know that Masashi Kishimoto, the author of Naruto, uh, wrote in his uh, illustration to accompany one of the pamphlets that came with the Kanzenban. Oh, yes, yes. 14, 15 odd years ago now. Oh, God, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That there was an unwritten rule that people who had read Jump before the others would not spoil the contents of Dragon Ball that week.
0: Mm. But that was the serialization. Okay, sure. Yeah,
1: that was the manga. But, I mean, if you think about, by the time they got to the TV show, it's like, well, people have already read it. and. I mean, even recently, there was a lot of excitement um, among some of the One Piece fans that I follow on Twitter because of a certain character's transformation in the full moon that uh, was the full moon that came about recently um, on the TV show. And One Piece takes its time getting places. The pacing on that show is just kind of bad.
0: (laughs) I I don't think I want to get too deep into One Piece, but as a lapsed fan who is still back in Thriller Bark and wants to go catch up at some point, uh, One Piece was always interesting to me, the TV series, because the openings would always show you things that I wouldn't learn about for like another two story arcs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it felt like, like they, they acknowledge that, yeah, we're far behind, but we want you to know we're thinking about this and we're gonna get there and it's gonna be cool. But yeah. I, I like those teases. Dragon Ball didn't really have anything like that in its openings, uh, particularly because we only had over the course of, You know, the original three series, we had one, two, and then one opening. Yeah, we had animation updates in it. And we did actually recently talk about, uh, was Super Saiyan 4 shown off in opening ending animations before it debuted in the show? And it it seemed like it it may have in there. But all in all, because of the way that series was made uh, and and series were made at that time, they didn't really have the opportunity to show you Frieza during, like, the Saiyan arc. Because... Oh, well, th- They weren't that far ahead, and Toriyama they, had no well, they idea.
1: They didn't update the openings nearly as often as they do now. Typically, right? Exactly. Now, right. They'll uh, in One Piece's case, they they have openings now. They they used to have openings and endings. Now that they only have openings, they do the like once every uh, twelve weeks situation. So mm-hmm. there's like four openings a year. And I know there have been cases where they have showcased characters or villains that uh, don't even show up in the span of episodes. That that yeah they, yeah. The, Opening goes to
0: right. That's what I'm saying. I remember seeing. Is it Kaku? Is that the dude, with the long nose
1: with the square nose? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing him. Like I'm. I yeah. He doesn't show up in, in anything that I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's he's a dude that shows up um, in uh, Water Seven.
0: Yeah. Oh I, well, I did see that. So it must have been before. Anyway. All right. I don't want to go too far down the One Piece hole. So we're kind of taking things back to the original serialization, and that's where I want to go here. Before we talk about present day with uh, the recent movie, uh, I was going to say movie adaptations, but no, the Super is the one that adapted them. Uh, The recent movies and all the special features that that come out these days. Let's think about back in the 80s and 90s as Dragon Ball was coming out. And yeah, we just talked about the TV series, assuming that you've read the manga. So maybe that's a little different because it's kind of a one-to-one adaptation. All right, let's talk about something like the original theatrical films as they were coming out at the Toei, the spring, summer, fall, winter anime festivals, whenever they were and whatever respective season. So I'm going to turn around here. Let me grab this. I've shown this off on Twitter before. This is, oh God, what issue is this?
1: February 9th. February 93. So that would have been right around the time of what movie seven movie eight
0: movie eight so yeah the february okay. 1993 issue of v jump in particular i'm sorry virtual jump i'm looking here
1: that's right it's before they that's before they started the official monthly release
0: so we're showing off a, a big promo for dragon ball z movie eight yeah lots of great things here we we've included uh, some translations from this issue on the site here have this giant two-page spread oh cool it's goku gohan trunks and vegeta and uh A big ominous shot of Broly there and his his regular, his base form. Turn the page, um, there's a a complete detailed look at Broly and Super Saiyan and then Legendary Super Saiyan Broly and him attacking everyone and Paragus and designs for every single character. I don't know if people don't want to hear this, don't know this, think it's different. I I think it's important to say a lot of things they do these days is no different from how they did it back then, uh, where they show and tell you everything everything about the movie in these publications. Uh, it was used as promotion then uh, in different ways, but uh, they wanted to get you in the theater, in the seats by kind of showing you as much as possible. And whether you like that or not, is kind of not the point here. Uh, we'll get to that in due time here in the conversation, but they showed you everything. Oh, absolutely. The movie didn't come out
1: for uh, another month after February. And I believe that uh, that particular issue is probably not uh dated It's probably dated to the month that it came out because it's one of the pre-release issues. Yeah, yeah. But it definitely came out at least a month before the movie itself did.
0: I'm assuming uh the the date on the front cover says February 21st, so maybe yeah, you're right. Maybe it was actually out then.
1: So yeah, um, at least a month in advance, you basically knew all about the movie. Right,
0: and that we we should put in the
1: caveat that the movies back then worked a little differently. Uh, in that sure. they were kind of like these fun bonuses that came out while the TV show was running. They were usually double or even triple features with other popular jump Properties like things like Magical Taruruto, or later on would be
0: Slam Dunk. Slam Dunk, Ninku, Uh, even Marmalade Boy was up there alongside things. I mean, they wanted every kid to come and watch things. This is a conversation we've had a lot over the years is what was the point of these movies? Uh, What was their continuity tie with things? They were known entities as this is a one off thing. It's great if you know the characters, if you know the series, you don't necessarily need to. It's going to be an approximation of where things are. Just come enjoy fun times with these characters in the theater and then go out and buy things.
1: Absolutely. And that's um kind of part of the fun of those. And in that respect, it didn't really matter. Yeah. Whether you were spoiled or not, because right. either way, it was just kind of this thing you had fun with. And um, maybe we'll get into this a little bit later. I think maybe that ties into the way fans are kind of approaching the same attitude from the rights holders. Yeah,
0: yeah. With a different perspective now. Hmm. I want to stick roughly around the same time, uh, 1992. Here, there, uh, we actually just had a new Dragon Ball Super television special air <laughs> on uh, TV <laughs> Fuji TV. Uh, oh, yeah. and it seems like they ended up playing <laughs> the vast majority of episodes 130 and 131 of Dragon Ball Super, recapping the end of that series and looking ahead to the Broly movie. Uh, with Footage that we've seen before, even some new footage. Uh, Something like this is not new. In 1992, we had a summer movie overview special uh, in anticipation of Dragon Ball Z movie seven. So jumping back one movie. Uh, the yeah. ex- extreme battle of the three great super science. Uh, so this special was exactly that, but instead of looking at the TV series, they recapped all of the previous movies. Uh, the three Dragon Ball movies up to that point, and then the first six Dragon Ball Z movies. Uh, they focused on, all right, here are some of the similar characters. Oh, here's Goku using his Kamehameha from the various movies. Here's a brief introduction to all the villains. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Julian, the end of the special is basically the majority of Dragon Ball Z Movie 7. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up through 13 transforming. So you, by that point, you've seen everyone in their... Kind of like big transformations into super science there. You've seen a look at 13, 14, and 15. You've seen the S.S. Deadly Bomber. You've seen the the fun shopping mall stuff at the beginning. And you see the uh, the chipsets going into 13 and him transforming. Basically, yeah. the only thing they don't show in this special is the Genki Dama absorption (laughs) that finishes things (laughs) off Uh, and and even with that said the end credits of the special show Goku forming the Genki Dama so there's only like one key thing that you don't know about the movie before you go see the movie Uh, and and I say all this because this feels like an exact parallel to what we're seeing with Broly right now where they've basically shown us every important thing about that film. Pretty much. So in in that respect, they did not
1: really seem to care about whether they spoiled the audience or not. Right. And, you know, not having not been part of the Japanese audience at the time, maybe there are people who would have minded it at then. But then again, you do have to keep in mind that the primary audience for Dragon Ball has always been children and early teenagers. Mm -hmm. We are a periphery demographic. (laughs) <laughs> we are that doesn't mean we can't enjoy it but we do have to keep in mind the perspective of the people that it's primarily aimed at
0: as i look around at some of the other stuff i have down here in the reference room uh additional v jumps you just brought in uh, a few issues from 1994 same thing with movie 10 they basically show you all of what happens there uh, you think about movie 10 what's the kind of the big thing about that movie it's the Triple Kamehameha with all three members of the Sohn family there that can perform said move. And watch we... Chi Chi too. Yes. No. Well that's why I <laughs> that's why I said all three they can perform that move. Uh, <laughs> and it shows us there, right there in V Jump, like, hey, here's this cool movie that's coming out. Here's how it ends as well. Yeah. Uh, so This is just the preface for the larger discussion we're about to have, where this is kind of nothing new. This is something that they've always done. Let's jump ahead, then. Let's jump to the quasi-present day. I say present day as if 2013 is still present day, and to me it still feels like it is present day, even though... (laughs) We're a little bit know how you feel, man from it now. So oh. I I looked at the recent movies and what was the the timeline of spoilers, if you could call it that, uh, for the film, and, and they're pretty interesting. So Battle of Gods came out March thirtieth, twenty thirteen. So here's a little bit of a lead up to how we got there. We got some announcements, you know, before that a new movie was coming, but there's kind of nothing until November, 2012. And that's when we got the actual poster for the film. That's where we saw Beerus and Weiss, even though we didn't know their names yet at that point.
1: Up until then we had what the Goku driving the invisible truck. Graphic,
0: <laughs> One of those. Yep. So that was kind of like the big key thing. But that's a, a poster for the film. Of course, you're going to show the characters in the film on its poster. All right. Well, then we had the name of Super Saiyan God revealed in the April 2013 issue of V-Jump. That was released February 20th. So we're a month ahead of the film and we're hearing now Super Saiyan God. That's important right. because we get the track list for the official soundtrack basically that same day, February 21st. And that's where they list pretty much everything about the film. Uh, everything kind of about Pilaf, about super Saiyan God about the ritual. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh,
1: certainly, it, it even spoils kind of the, the ending of the film, which was quite unexpected for the time. Sure. Sure. And if you have not seen battle of gods or it's equivalent arc in dragon ball super, um, Welcome to the podcast, because I don't know if you've been listening to us
0: for very long. (laughs) This thing has been out for a while. Uh, So the next thing we had, this was the big thing that actually no one could make heads or tails of for a while because we weren't sure what it is we were looking at. And that's, uh, Julian, a program that you fell asleep before you could actually watch. <laughs> and so we relied on Kay to record it for us and give it to us. Uh, this yes. was something that aired on the NHK program uh, Magnet. Is that it?
1: Um, yep. In fact, as I remember correctly, it was actually the final episode before they wrapped it up. Uh, But it was this late night show on uh, NHK um, dealing with like the latest in in anime and really just trying to promote it, I think, with an eye towards um, audiences abroad. And indeed, that's essentially what they covered that episode.
0: Right. Uh, And they showed us a door somewhere at Toei. And yeah, there's Super Saiyan God Son Goku right there, except none of us knew what it was at that point.
1: Yeah, it's like, hey, that's Goku, and it looks like he's doing
0: a Kaioken, but his
1: hair is still normal, so I don't know what's going on.
0: Right, and it was kind of at an angle, and it almost looked color pencil-y, so it was hard to make heads or tails of it, like I said. Uh, But then Super Saiyan God was shown in the May 2013 issue of V-Jump, which was released March 21st, uh, about a week ahead of the film. So a week ahead of Battle of Gods is when we pretty much knew everything about that film and that continued for oh, absolutely before and after at that point where uh beerus was already revealed for zenkai battle royale so we kind of got um of his moves and that kind of stuff yeah did the the official movie guide come out before the movie too uh no i think they were kind of alongside that but we're going to oh, talk okay. about a a type of movie guide with the next film but just thinking about battle of gods yeah at that point um super saiyan god was also added to zenkai battle royale so all that was out there and this was a little different because uh, we've seen over the years that Funimation in particular is getting the license quicker and quicker. Um, so Resurrection F was much faster than Battle of Gods, and Broly is significantly faster than even all of that. Or only uh, about a month out in terms of a theatrical debut. So so Battle of Gods, you know, there, there was a, a steady lead up to the standard you know everything by the time the movie comes out all right let's jump to resurrection f which was uh different from even battle of gods so i would say the first really spoilerific thing for that other than announcing that it's frieza which you could kind of guess uh toyotaro after unceremoniously wrapping up uh dragon ball heroes victory mission in feed jump switched over to doing this three-part manga adaptation uh, really just an introduction to the film. uh, And that began in February, February 21st. And it was going to run for the next three months with the third chapter kind of coinciding with the release of the movie. Now the manga adaptation didn't cover the full movie, but this is an example of, they're not just telling you what happens in the movie. They're, they're literally showing you in comic format, what's going to happen in this movie. Very curious for them, but I I think that seems like it worked. Yes. And in fact, you know, it's kind of
1: the setup in which we kind of know what's going to happen because these things have to happen
0: in, yeah, order, yeah.
1: To, in order to have the fight that they're hyping. But we didn't know all of the details until uh, we got this manga adaptation. And it even right. actually showed a couple of things that weren't in the movie, like the scene... There's a conversation in uh, the spaceship after Frieza is revived uh, that's actually not in the movie, although it is in the script that Toriyama wrote.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah.
1: So they actually show us even
0: things that aren't in the movie. Well, (laughs) see Toyotaro and Dragon Ball Super as well. Kind of both ways on that, where they tell us things that didn't air and they also don't show us things that did air uh so we, <laughs> we start with the manga adaptation we move to golden frieza himself uh revealed I, I think it was around march 8th in weekly jump and a lot of other places and that was after yeah. a long tease of what this further evolution was going to be and then there in march later that month we got toriyama's character design uh in v jump now keep in mind at this point we are more than a month out from the film Mm-hmm.
1: And I think around the same time, we also got the Resurrection F Times, the, uh, um, I forget which uh, tabloid was putting yeah, in, yeah. putting it out as a special edition, but somebody got their hands on it earlier than everybody else and put out uh, on social media a spread where uh, Ryusei Nakao was talking about Frieza. And quickly that uh, became the centerpiece of the usual suspects talking about battle powers because he <laughs> right. makes a pun and they took it literally about his power being like a hundred quintillion or something like that.
0: This is also when he, he's talking about losing the battle, but winning the war kind of thing. So we're yeah. also getting a, a nice tease about how that film might end. Um, nice parallel to Battle of Gods. The soundtrack because all these films are going to have a soundtrack. The soundtrack uh, full track list was released around April 8th. So we're a little bit before the film uh julian speaking of battle of gods where we knew everything a week before release uh resurrection f we get the preview of volume f which is the theatrical bonus item we get the cover of that which really just shows everything
1: oh yeah (laughs) you get all the major characters and
0: golden frieza super saiyan god super saiyan yeah yeah I don't have the exact date, but uh, kind of the big spoiler for Blue was uh, toys, uh, photos of new toys that were coming out, and it seemed to be around this time. So similar to Battle of Gods, uh, about a week before the film, we kind of know everything there is to know about the film uh, and the transformations in particular, the things that both leaked and were shown to us uh, by the companies themselves. So here we have yep. these two modern new films where they're definitely looking to international audiences. Um, we're at a point where they're not simultaneously releasing things. Uh, what, what other kinds of trends are you seeing in here? What do you think the thought process is behind all of this?
1: Well, I, I would say that at least the, the producers of the actual movies, the rights holders, are kind of doing what they've always done. I mean, they work on timeframes. They need to put out these products to coincide with the movie release. So there are going to be, if not leaks, then outright announcements of these things before the movie comes out, probably, in order for the actual product to be out when the movie comes out. I also think that, uh, in many respects, it's a combination of uh, new technology and the fan culture also changing. Because, I mean, if you think about it... I know social media has been with us for a good decade and a half now. But before that, if you didn't want to know about the contents of the movie before it came out, it was relatively easy to avoid the sources of information that you would be getting that from.
0: Right. So let's go there now, because that's really where things have changed even since Resurrection F. Yeah, we were all on Twitter then. Even Twitter was around at that point. Uh, YouTube was certainly around. Facebook was absolutely around. The difference between then and now is, like you said, uh, it's almost impossible to avoid. The stuff that we saw, I I gave you a warning earlier, the Gogeta stuff was front page of YouTube for many, many people. Uh, Tweets from the official Funimation account, not a Dragon Ball specific account, Yo, Gogeta's here and he's canon now. Uh, This is the kind of stuff that, if you're even remotely a part of anime fandom, uh, is going to be in your face. It's not, well, I'm just not going to visit the homepage of Konzenchu for the next month, which is something you could very easily do, uh, and you wouldn't necessarily get things thrown in your face. Uh, you you kind of can't avoid this, even if you're not following the fandom voices.
1: Right. And if you think about what's changed in the last five years, Battle of Gods was made with an eye towards eventual overseas release but it yeah, wasn't yeah. made in such tight cooperation with the overseas rights holders that they were putting out information at the same time right right uh, and even though it's not a, a, a simultaneous release uh worldwide the english dub is coming out a month after the japanese release which is a very short time frame in the overall scheme of things especially if you look at the way things had been done in the past couple of decades yeah so um we're getting this deluge of information not only from japan which you know if you don't know japanese and don't follow people who translate that things as their hobby then you can avoid it. But now, you know, it's coming out from everywhere, including uh, all of the uh, official uh, rights holders in other regions.
0: What I think they've been steadily doing, uh, in particular over the course of Dragon Ball Super... Uh, they've had a lot of problems with leaks. Um, there have been some prosecutions in Japan, uh, in coordination with China, even uh, about some of these crime rings, honestly, that are not just selling Weekly Jump a couple weeks ahead of time at a mom and pop shop, but literally stealing off the back of a truck and distributing to people who enter into monetary arrangements with them to then distribute this information ahead of time right uh, they, they have to it's the same kind of thing in some respects where they're the way that they're fighting scanlations is a day and date release something like viz releasing day and date with uh shuisha with their weekly shonen jump that's one of the tactics they're fighting so one of the tactics they're they're fighting not just with the manga content itself is uh, this, the, the advertisements, the information about their future products. Well, how do you compete with what's being stolen? Well, you take the reins and you release it first. It's right. your pre, your preemptive strike against the thieves. Uh, and that's what they've been doing. Uh, it, it really seems... In particular, things like a Jump Festa, where they know people are going to get in and they're going to take photos and they're going to take videos of things. They're going to release it simultaneously or they're even going to release it a day before the event or tease what's going to come at the event to at least be remotely in control of that messaging. Because when they're in control of the messaging, they can frame things better than a fan who doesn't even know what is written on the page, just slapping something up on Twitter. Right.
1: And you've seen that in, in other um, industries as well. Their, their way of fighting against things being leaked early is to just say, uh, okay, well, we better just get on our, on things on our own end and put stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, I don't, what band was it? I think it might've been Metallica that ended up releasing one of their albums. I'm going to say a week or two early because there was a leak that got out and they wanted the official version to be the one that people heard. Yeah. But, um,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, m- music is, is a great example of that, not just Metallica, I think, too. Some of the stuff has been stolen from so many bands over the years. Uh, brand new, actually scrapped basically an entire album uh, and later ended up either redoing some of those songs or they put out the, the demos themselves. But they're like, no, we're going to do something entirely different. Uh, I think a similar thing may have happened with Green Day. Uh, and that's actually how American Idiot came about. Either it was lost or someone stole something like, all right, we're going to forget that. We're going to do something entirely different. Uh, we see this a lot with movies. I really feel like their movie folks are the best at knowing, all right, something's about to leak. So we're just going to put the trailer up. So so there's no confusion over what the source is and who put it up first and kind of capitalize on those views before someone else can capitalize on their own product. Uh,
1: Exactly. And in that respect, uh, it's almost something that you've come to expect when it comes to these people who are putting out the material, that they're going to control as best they can the release of information, but they're going to put information out there. What seems to have gotten uh, Japanese fans in particular into uh, a bit of a fit is that there were prominent signs all over the preview screening last month in in was it in Tokyo um, at the Budokan saying, in order to allow people who have not seen the movie to enjoy it to the fullest, please do not spread spoilers.
0: All right. So, yeah, we're taking it to the Broly movie. You're talking about the preview screening that was... Uh, At this point, last month in November. Yeah, there was a preview screening. People have seen the movie. We know literally everything there is to know about the movie. But Toei's request at that time was, please don't spoil the movie. And that seems to be in direct contrast (laughs) with what they ended up doing. I, I get where everyone's coming from on that, though. We also have to mention Toei's limited theatrical screenings in America. They've telegraphed everything about this from the beginning when they're like, so we're going to air movie eight, uh, the Bardock special and movie 12. No reason. Mm. No particular reason.
1: <laughs> Just those in particular for some
0: odd. Yep. Those are the ones. Coincidence. So, I mean, everyone's known that Gogeta was going to be in this movie. Like, it was very, very obvious that's where this was going to go. But yeah, yeah, the, the whole situation of don't spoil it. All right, never mind. We're going to spoil it. Was it just that they were getting afraid of, I mean, there were some leaked photos that started getting out there. So was it just a case of, all right, let's just control this messaging? I mean, that's possible. Certainly would explain their apparent
1: about face from the preview screening. I mean, one other thing they could have done was put the preview screening closer to the actual release. We were all wondering why they decided to do it an entire month in advance.
0: (laughs) It was a whole month early. (laughs) That's I don't know what was up with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had preview screenings of Resurrection F. Did you get to one of those?
1: Yeah, I went to the one that was March 30th or 31st in Osaka for Resurrection F. That That was like, like
0: two weeks about. Two weeks out. Yeah, it was closer. So, yeah, you could definitely do something like that. I don't know. I, I really feel like it was just uh, something's going to happen. Let's just do it. At the same time, they also had coordination with foreign licensees to them all do their version of it. So it seemed coordinated and slapdash at the same time. I'd love to know what the decision making process was for that.
1: Absolutely. It's It's just one of those things you just puzzle over the logic behind it because otherwise it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, you can get the overall arc of things, but it's like, okay, but why, why change your stance so quickly?
0: I want to go in a couple different directions. We were talking about, movies in general. I want to talk about American films and trailers and spoilers, but I do want to jump back to Dragon Ball Super. One example that uh, we jumped over is video game stuff. Uh, These have always been back and forth commercials for each other. Uh, Julian, we recently talked about the Super Butoden games and how at uh, Toei's insistence that Bandai Namco put Broly into Super Butoden 2 to (laughs) help promote the films. Uh, and That was a, a literal example of They asked us to do it for this reason. It's not just we're assuming they did it for this reason. No, that was absolutely the reason why they put Broly in that game at that point. Right. Uh, The video games have always gone back and forth with this kind of promotion. Uh, Let's talk about Dragon Ball Super and Ultra Instinct. So the finalized Ultra Instinct uh, appeared at the end of episode 129. That was on March 4th. Okay, but uh, Ultra Instinct Goku is going to be added as DLC to Xenoverse 2. And on February 23rd, February 23rd is ahead of March 4th. On February 23rd, we had a full length trailer showing a completed Ultra Instinct Goku fighting Jiren. So there goes that surprise. They showed us everything about Ultra Instinct. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> a couple weeks ahead of when it was well, maybe like yeah, about two weeks. Ahead of when it was gonna air. So it, it's not just the movies. Uh recently they've been doing the same kind of thing with uh the video games. Julian right. uh, let's talk about American films. I, I think the the best example of the opposite of everything here has been Marvel lately. And in particular Avengers, uh, you think about infinity war and they had an entire campaign about asking people after the movie debuted to not talk about it. They, they had a, a cute little, was it Thanos demands your silence? They, they had their own marketing tied into their don't spoil things for people, which I think was absolutely brilliant. Uh, right. and that, that really seemed to work up until, a couple of weeks when we started getting the the disappearing memes, which was equally amazing,
1: Mister LeBrie, I don't feel so good.
0: <laughs> but I think that worked really well for them, and that's extended to Untitled Avengers Four, which we literally know nothing about. There have been lots of theories and a lot of you know uh, stealth onset photos, that kind of stuff. Right. But in general, we know nothing about it, and they're doing. Uh, a pretty perfect job of not letting us on to that. Um, and that's in direct contrast to the entire rest of the Hollywood film industry. We're at a point now where you can't watch a trailer ahead of a movie's release because they will show you the end of the movie in the trailer. It's happened with basically every film that's come out over the last few years, even Marvel films. So I, I, I feel like we, we kind of do have this exact thing that, is happening with Dragon Ball with anime but you know we're a Dragon Ball site we're talking about Dragon Ball here. Uh this does happen everywhere else. So I guess the question is well it, it's in line with that. So so just deal with it. I don't know what the answer is there. Is it just yeah. that y- the way that hardcore fans use social media like you can't avoid it. It's it's not like I don't know. Universal Studios, do they even still exist? I don't know. What's a movie studio? It's coming to your personal homepage and throwing it in your face. Maybe they are. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, I know they got to advertise the movie, but they don't have to tell you everything that happens.
0: I think that's the difference is, yeah, they, they'll have that trailer that will show you everything, but you have a chance to to not watch it before it gets to that point. Funimation tweeting, Gogeta's here and he's canon. Like, you, you can't avoid that. No, it's, it's written on the wall there. I don't know what the answer is here. Um, there are some other things I want to talk about. Something that I've seen a lot is Japanese people don't care about spoilers. That's clearly not true, as seen by the recent Gogeta reveal.
1: Yes. <laughs> it caused uh, quite the commotion on Twitter, at the very least.
0: Something I also feel kind of strongly about because it's been my history with the franchise uh, and it's one of those things where it's difficult for me to put myself on someone else's shoes i feel like dragon ball spoilers are baked into an, an inherent part of american fandom uh the series started over here as the serialization was coming to a close in japan everything about my fandom for years was I need to learn everything there is to learn even though I can't watch it I want to know I cornered Greg Werner in a Yahoo chat room and made him tell me how Dragon Ball GT episode 64 ended Like (laughs) I I needed to know that Uh, and to me spoilers almost don't matter to me anymore because they've kind of never mattered to me
1: right I mean I didn't become a fan until after GT ended and if you knew where to look online you could find a lot of stuff alongside a lot of misinformation, which uh, (laughs) was part of the reason we included a rumor guide on our site.
0: Well, that's also part of, I I think, uh, a very hard line in fandom generations where our fandom was about learning because it wasn't available. Uh, And I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but once it became a weekday thing where it was a very passive experience to enjoy the franchise, uh, it was no longer about that. That's that's very true. Just because of the fact that we
1: couldn't get a hold of it, we wanted to know as much as possible Yeah, about it, whereas if it's something that you're exposed to almost regardless of whether you want it, it's, well, maybe you don't want to know everything about it until you've actually seen it.
0: I don't really know where to go from here because you can hear I'm a little conflicted on it. At the same time, I don't begrudge the company for wanting to be in control of their own messaging. Uh, It's kind of what I do for a living. What needs to happen? What is happening now? Where do we go from here? I would
1: say that they maybe need to rethink their advertising campaigns in the face of the kind of um, inescapable media presence that they have. Um, Because in the past, even if they did this kind of in-depth reveal, it was still theoretically possible to avoid it if you tried. Yeah. But nowadays it's, it's gotten to the point where you can't escape it. So if you want anything to remain a surprise, you have to not telegraph it. You have to not put it out there to begin with. Uh, and I think that's something that they're going to have to really figure out what the best mix is, the best balances for them, because I think it's gotten to a point where it's <laughs> a little bit too far Towards the side of spoilers. I mean, I generally spoil myself, but if you don't even have the choice in the matter,
0: it, it kind of feels like defeating the whole purpose. Is part of the problem this film itself? This really feels like a film where its entire point is going to be a visual spectacle. And its entire point is look at all the cool things we've taken and combined from prior works. There has been concern over, yeah, you know, we're going to do something new with this character. We're going to make him, uh, you know, a a sympathetic character, but there is concern over, is the story a little light? And if the story is a little light, well, all there is to show and latch onto is the, the things that happen on screen. I I don't feel like I'm descri- describing that well enough, but this yeah. film in particular really feels like we have to show you everything we have because maybe that's all there is.
1: Mm, it's difficult to say without seeing the movie. No. I, I am a little bit concerned on that front, especially from once again, it sounds like um, they went and added more to the story and then were forced to cut back, but they always seem to err on the side of action scenes, which... From the point of view of certain fans, that's not a bad thing, but I also like to see more development on the story side because it's the story developments that makes the fights matter.
0: I, maybe that's where I'm going, where it's, okay, I hope there's something where just showing us Gogeta doesn't actually tell us that whole story. Unfortunately, <laughs> all right. I, I guess I don't want to say too much because we're, we're not here to spoil anything beyond what the companies have shown us. Yeah. <laughs> Right, I don't know. This is a really tough one. I hope whatever the next thing is, whether that's a TV series or a movie, the transformation, the the technique isn't the surprise and the item of interest in and of itself. Um, you know, for all the faults that Resurrection F had, its character moments really mm-hmm. helped there battle of gods even more so than that i really felt like the the character interactions in that film even knowing super saiyan god going into it knowing everything about the film was still enjoyable on a story uh, a writing level perspective for me
1: yeah and i I think the the level of um the comedic beats in that film took a lot of people by surprise because they were expecting it to be mostly yeah uh, what was being hyped at the time which was beerus versus goku but that ended up not really being the focus of the movie. Um, and in that respect, they they actually did, in some ways, pull off a bit of a non-spoiler thing pretty close to release in that they telegraphed what looked like was the most important part of the movie, but was actually somewhat secondary to the rest. Whereas for Resurrection F, the fight was really the, the centerpiece of the movie. And that's not to say that the fight in Battle of Gods was not also... A centerpiece a uh, bit of action but it was built up to in a way that a lot of people were not expecting so i think it remains to be seen by those of us who haven't seen it at least uh what exactly this movie will have in store in terms of that but i'm i'm hoping they they have at least you know enough character interactions and maybe unexpected bits that make it worth the fighting
0: Is this a bigger problem with something like Dragon Ball than it would be for, I don't know, let's say Dr. Stone, where Dragon Ball is this long-running mega-franchise that has um, new theatrical films, various manga adaptations, uh, special features, uh, video games out the wazoo, where they all need to work in conjunction with each other. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen here, as opposed to something that's just coming out for the first time. And the only info about it is what's in next week's chapter. Well, I think in that
1: respect, you might have a point. I mean, as you said, the less there is out, the more freedom you have to go in different directions with it. Whereas Dragon Ball has been around for so long and has had so much stuff already that people kind of know what to expect. And maybe because of that, I'd like to see them go in an unexpected direction. I think Battle of Gods was a little bit, but... I want to see them branch out more, if that's make if that makes any sense. Um, maybe maybe not quite like GT, but you know, have yeah, fun with it,
0: yeah. I I see kind of where you're going. I feel the same way. Where Dragon Ball is is so reliant on the transformations, and that that includes the fusions, having to come up with something new to then sell the merchandise. If we could just do some. I don't know what that is. I would be a brilliant comic book artist if I could come up with whatever that (laughs) shtick is, uh, especially for Dragon Ball. Like, what do they do? Where do they go to still be Dragon Ball, but not be, all right, here's the new hairstyle. (laughs) Because we did did that in all the films, and we did that in Super, too. I don't know. I don't know. Dragon Ball is just... I don't know. It's too big. To me,
1: I always, especially in Super, I enjoyed the... The in between bits that they had um yeah uh between the major arcs the the slice of life stuff, the little crossovers, the funny one off episodes i would I would take like a whole uh you know maybe six month series of just that stuff,
0: you know, copy Vegeta is better and better as you go back and watch it, and <laughs> we all. We were just dying for that Trunks material, and we're like, okay, that's great and all, but let's go. I don't know. Maybe... Was Copy Vegeta the best arc?
1: I don't know. It, Most it, original? Certainly, I think original. Something that hadn't been done before. Um well, I mean, kind of, but... I, I think in some respects, the fact that people expect Dragon Ball to be a long-running thing uh, with no planned end sometimes works against it. They should... If they want to do like a new thing, they should give it a set number of episodes, a set length, and then
0: Mm. find a plot and figure out how to pace it out within that amount. That would be new and novel. I mean, lots of people have said, why can't Dragon Ball be like One Punch Man or even like My Hero Academia, where it's a seasonal based kind of thing? Um, That's just not Toei's shtick here. That's That's not how they do it. They've
1: always been about letting it run for as long as they can. And that runs
0: into problems with pacing down the line as they catch up to the source material. It gives us all of these problems that we're talking about right now. The the spoiler problem. So what's our advice for people? My advice is uh, give in. (laughs) (laughs) You can't avoid it. So I don't know. Have you considered moving to Pennsylvania and learning Plattdeutsch? That's that's the best thing, and just have someone drive in and tell you when everything is over, and you can sit in seclusion and watch it by yourself. That's that's the best you can do.
1: Yep, and then once everything's done, you can shave off your beard, put put on your shirt with buttons, and move back into the city. I really, <laughs> I don't know what to suggest because you can't
0: um, go on media blackout for this stuff.
1: Yeah, it's it's everywhere. I mean, I did not ask for you know the banner ad across my Google search to say everything about the movie. It's just there.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, good luck, everyone. Uh, we've made it this far. We will we'll keep trucking along. I don't know. Right. Just just get used to it. Uh, this is one of those things I I don't have an answer for, and I don't think you can do anything about uh, other than shifting the entire production of Dragon to something else as you suggested which um maybe that will happen at some point because they'll have done everything else there is to do so the official content advice is either go into seclusion or forget about it <laughs> fair enough uh well i have been mike that has been julian www dot k-a-n-z-e-n-s-h-u-u Dot com. This has been your depressing content. You podcast episode for the week. <laughs> Julian, in the next week or so, let's take a look at that hero's eighth anniversary book. Uh, we didn't actually do anything with the fifth anniversary book for that matter. Uh, there was an interview there. Uh, I sent that over to you as well.
1: Yeah, it's in my backlog. I'll get to it in a few years.
0: But there's a uh, there's a much more in the eighth anniversary uh, anniversary book, including something from Tadayoshi Yamamura himself, something to, uh, take a look at, uh, a lot char- I mean, there's cool stuff in there. There's character designs and just talk about the game. And if you want strategies for all your decks, well, that's in there too. Uh, so we'll look at that and we're, we're in December. So we're going to be coming up on the end of the year with our annual predictions, check in and, uh, make new ones for the upcoming year i horrified because I don't remember anything, anything about this year. Oh, no. Wait. <laughs> yes, I do. Because we did a mid-year check-in. Oh, it's all coming back to me. Oh Lord. All right. So that'll be coming. That's usually the last week of the year or the first week of the new year. So the predictions episode, something to look forward to Uh hero's eighth anniversary. Uh, I got some other stuff that I'm kind of tossing around. We'll see if we get to that, but uh, otherwise that's the website. This is the podcast. I have been Mike. That was Julian. We've got a Heath. We've got a Jake as well as our other contributors, working on our various projects. Julian, why don't you then wrap things up?
1: Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Consent U, the podcast. We will catch you next time.